Hello and welcome. This YouTube is going to cover several white collar crimes where the individuals thought they could win a trial and through either a lack of preparation or a lack of knowledge up front, they're just not aware that the that the Department of Justice has a 98% conviction rate, which means less than 2% win. And because of that, they needed to, it's okay if you want to go to trial, but for the majority that lose, at some point you need to come face to face with your, your own demons and begin to have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with yourself. It's a time of self-reflection where you accept responsibility for the actions that you've done, have remorse for the victims you've created, and are able to express this so that you can begin to at least advance into the next stage of your life because 98% wind up going into federal prison. So several examples here are going to be Bertie, not Bertie Madoff, the star. We're all familiar with him. 150-year prison sentence, $170 billion in restitution. He lost billions, and thousands of people lost their life savings due to his Ponzi scheme. But if, even though he went to trial, at some point he had to go to sentencing and go through the same pre-sentence report, that pre-sentence interview, rather, that everyone has to go through. And had he taken the time to actually recognize that there were victims and there were thousands of victims with billions of dollars in lost revenue where he accepted responsibility, had remorse for what he'd done, what he has done, and acknowledged that in some way he needed to make things right, it's true. He probably would have had the same sentence, but there are those that go to prison where if they're actually able to show the the Bureau of Prison staff through their actions and what they're doing in prison that they have changed, there are people that have gone in with life sentences that have been able to be released, that have been released. And so maybe he would have been able to, instead of passing on in prison, dying in prison, having the ability to have come home at least at the end of his sentence. I'm not saying that that would have happened, but at least it would have been an option. Nothing that he could have, um, guaranteed. there was no guarantee in that, but at least it would have opened that particular door. Elizabeth Holmes is another one, much more recent, very smart woman, probably where she's going, one of the smarter one, smarter people in the room, if you will, $145 million that she defrauded people out of. She had 11-year, three-month sentence. She had victims. Now, the press, it came out that she's already down to nine years from 11. They've taken off approximately two years. That's good time credit, but she can lose that. If she gets lonely and somebody offers her to make a phone call on their iPhone to her children one night, and that they will find that phone eventually. And if they match the phone number to her call list, she's done. And it could be a new charge. So that that good time credit that has been released to the press, where her sentence has gone from 11 years down to nine, can change in a heartbeat. If they think that she is 
complaining a lot while she's in prison. She's not doing, um, she's not taking these first step act classes to try and improve herself. She's not participating in the program. Um, that may at some point, if she gets in trouble, affect that good time credit. If she doesn't think she has victims, she did. She had people that she that she enlisted to support on her board of directors to put their repu their reputations on the line. William Perry, a former Secretary of Defense, Edward Henry Kissinger, George Schultz, Jim Mattis. There were people who were investors that lost money. I mean, they they could have, but they still lost money. Rupert Murdoch, five point eight million. Oracle founder Larry Ellison, Walgreens, a national pharmacy retail chain, and so there were victims, and even. If she wasn't prepared when before she made it to her pre-sentence interview to have written out her own narrative, which is where she accepts responsibility for her actions, she accepts responsibility for what she's done. She has remorse for her actions and for the victims she's created and understands that, you know, that there she needs to have a plan to begin to make things right for the victims first and her family and kids second and the community last. This is all very important, but I'm not sure that before she went into her pre-sentence interview that she was able to, or encouraged to write her own narrative. And why is that important? Because right now the department of justice has written their, her indictment that was in the press, which is, their her brand or her narrative nike has their brand which is just do it tesla has spacex she needs it would have been helpful and she still could do it while she's in prison to change her brand her indictment through her narrative that she can write through a narrative which is her autobiography or story through a, her release plan and if she does this she could wind up getting out, not 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 after nine years, but probably after anywhere from five and a half to seven years. Last, I'm going to go through Sam Bankman-Fried. And this, this is a more unusual. He's a young guy, very smart guy, $8 billion in fraud. And most recently... We have July 26, 2023, NPR Business. It's been reported that he's facing his October trial is coming up. He has been released on $250 million bond. But the prosecutor, prosecution rather, has notified the court that they believe he is involved in witness tampering. That's not a good, good way to start off with your judge before you actually go to trial and he's had over a thousand phone calls with journalists he's going to trial and mind you i'm going to circle back to the only thing that the judge and other stakeholders who are responsible for his for him and his future will know about his brand who he is his story is through the department of justice's indictment of who he is and this just when he makes all these phone calls who he's trying to defend himself if he's guilty, this is not going to look good. And chances are the Department of Justice, as I said, has a 98% conviction rate. Witness tampering just doesn't look good no matter how you slice it. July 21, 2023, Yahoo Finance. 
He's paying his defense lawyers with another $10 million of misappropriated funds from FTX. That's also not going to look good. May 31, 2023 from Reuters. At that point in May, he's trying to blame now others. He's blaming, he wants to blame the attorneys who helped him, help him, who helped him establish his crypto exchange. He's the owner of his company and is the owner of his company. All the buck stops with him. 2006, I'm a physician, but I had my, I had a felony also. In 2010, I was grateful to get my license reinstated in full. But for my practice, I was the owner of the business. The buck stops with me. He is the own, he's the CEO of his company. And when he starts blaming others, it just doesn't look good. In January 13, 2023, Slate, he, he started launching his newsletter to tell his story. But his story is not him in a narrative form accepting responsibility. Likely it's blaming everyone else and it's not going to do him any good. Likely it's going to do him more harm than good because if I go back to J July 26, where he has a record with the prosecution of making more than a thousand phone calls with journalists, all of this is going to come out in his trial. And so again, the Department of Justice has a 98% conviction rate. His odds are not good. Going into the trial, if he's blaming everyone else, chances are high that he's going to lose. We hope he can win at trial, but it doesn't look good. And so if, in fact, he's convicted at trial, he's going to now, hopefully, through his attorneys, because he's a young guy, there's no need for him to come out of prison, an old man, that before he goes into his pre-sentence interview, hopefully he, he's been encouraged to self-reflect where he can begin to write his own autobiography or story and explain as to how he came to this point in his life where he broke the law, his narrative, where he accepts responsibility for the victims he's created. And there are thousands who have lost money. You can't blame it on your attorney. It just doesn't work. And at the same time, drafting a release plan, because this is what the judge is going to ask him. The judge asked me, what's my plan not to come back? I didn't know why the judge was asking me any questions. The judge is going to know your release plan. And it's important for him to have an idea and begin to draft his release plan where, you know, he acknowledges for the, the, the pain he's inflicted on victims and that he needs to begin to have a plan to make the victims right as best he can, but victims first, the community second, his family, and the court last because the judge does not want to see him back in the courtroom again. I hope you have found this all helpful, and I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this YouTube. Have a good day.